Teresa Rowe. To find out more about Shape by Faith and Teresa Rowe, please visit shapebyfaith.com or visit the YouTube channel, Facebook, or Instagram. And now, here is Teresa Rowe. Welcome to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. My guest today is Diana Derringer. She is the author of Beyond Bethlehem and Calvary. She shares hope and joy through more than 1,100 devotions, articles, dramas, planning guides, Bible studies, and poems in 70-plus publications. That's a lot, Diana, including The Upper Room, (laughs) The Secret Place, Clubhouse Country, and Missions Mosaic, plus several anthologies. She also writes radio drama for Christ to the World Ministries and shares weekly blog posts on words, wit, and wisdom, life lessons from English expressions, her adventures as a social worker, adjunct professor, youth Bible study teacher, and a friendship family for international university students supply a constant flow of writing ideas. And you can visit Diana at dianaderinger.com, and I'll also post that in the blog and on all social media posts. So welcome to Shape by Faith, Diana. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm so thankful that the good Lord connected us and we can do this online and we don't have to be in person. That's, that's a great thing about technology. There are some really good things about technology. So, um, I'm so thankful that again, the Lord put you in my path and you have written so many things. I can't wait to get into some of your works and, uh, your writing, but uh, first, why don't you uh, give us some of your background story and what your life was like before your writing career took off? Okay, I'll be glad to. Um, I often say I grew up in the middle of nowhere in South Central Kentucky. Oh. Uh, my parents taught us the importance of faith uh, by both their words and actions. And although we were remote, our house was the gathering place. We had aunts and uncles and cousins and other relatives and friends, particularly in the summer months. And some stayed with us for weeks or months at a time. Oh, wow. Um, friends would often gather on Friday or Saturday night. And dad and three or four men would uh, play music in the kitchen. And children would play outside or in another room in the house. We usually avoided the living room because that's where our moms wanted to talk. But... Even though we lived in the middle of nowhere, it led us everywhere we wanted to go. Uh, Imagination took us around the world, and books fed us dreams for the future, and our family taught us to set high goals. Um, I married a high school sweetheart of my junior year in college, one of the best decisions of my life, (laughs) and then I (laughs) I obtained a master's degree in counseling and was a social worker for almost 30 years. On call, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Stressful, but I loved it. And I also served as an adjunct professor. So a lot of fun. Wow. So so what drew you to counseling? I'm really not certain. I think I was always a people person. Mm -hmm. And there was something about uh, 
when people had issues or problems, uh, I guess I was sort of a fixer. <laughs> I wanted to help. And uh, it just seemed like God was leading that direction. I felt God's call to do something special. Um, and, of course, initially I thought, okay, that means um, I'm going to either be a preacher or a missionary. And <laughs> so I assumed I was going to be a missionary. <laughs> right. But God called me in a little different direction. Well, as a counselor, you have to be a really good listener. And that is a skill. And it's also a gift because I don't think a lot of people have that gift of just truly listening to someone and not really thinking ahead about what you're going to say back, but really listening and getting to understand, you know, where a person is in life. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. And there are um, more needed counselors in this world um, that are Christ-based you know, can, that can help people also Absolutely. understand Jesus. Yes. Well, you've done from your bio and, and you have a longer bio, but you've done a lot of writing. You've accomplished so much as an author. So when did you begin writing and how did you get started? My senior year in high school, the local newspaper published a Christmas story that I wrote as a class assignment but I didn't really think anything more about publication until after college graduation. Mm-hmm. One of my professors suggested that I send some writing samples to a church bulletin service. Lifeway published those articles, but my attention soon shifted to work and family and church obligations. And Although I wrote for each of those, I didn't publish anything else until 2005. Once again, I started by writing church bulletin uh, devotions, but then I also began tweaking and submitting monologues and poems that I had shared in church services or backyard Bible clubs or mission trips. But even then, writing was still more just a hobby. Mm-hmm. Until 2008, I attended the Kentucky Christian Writers Conference. And when I walked in, I mean, I was filled with fear and trepidation. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I didn't belong with real writers, but I decided to listen and learn. And wow, what a game changer. Uh, Along with encouragement and information and lasting friendships Um, I discovered the definition of a writer. Very simply, a writer is a person who writes. I love that. (laughs) I was a writer. And from that point, uh, my writing dramatically increased. Uh, You know, it just gave me the boost that I needed to really get started. Wow. So that conference was a big deal in 2008 that God knew you needed to be there. There you were, and you got the encouragement that you needed. Did you enjoy writing, Diana? Have you always enjoyed writing? Oh, I I did. Uh, On my blog, I I sort of introduced myself by saying that, you know, I I was scribbling before I could write, and I was... uh, loved books before I could read and books were just 
a big part of our life and crayons and pencils and pens were some of my favorite things when I was a child. So your parents must have enjoyed reading. So you had books in your home available to you. Yes. Yes. Okay. My dad would go to sales and he would just buy boxes of books and then bring them home and we'd dig through them to see what treasures were in there. And sometimes there were real treasures. Wow. That's really neat. That's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, that explained, you know, you look back at your life and, and the path that God has given you to walk on and, and you think about the people in your path that also helped bring that about just with that box of books. And that's wonderful to be surrounded by books and, and reading and a love for reading. So you've had a lot of life experiences, um, as a social worker, as a professor, as a Bible study teacher and your experience with, um, friendly, Friendship Family for International University students. So um, what kind of ideas, we've got about a minute left in this segment, what, what kind of ideas has these experiences given you? So each one offers a slice of life that's not seen in other settings. Mm-hmm. You know, social work presents challenges and rewards and teaching, whether on the college or, or middle school level, uh, allows opportunities to to see young people's growth into the servant leaders God calls them to be. And I love it when students have major insights, you know, those aha moments that last a lifetime. And uh, uh, the university students, uh, I'll share more with about that with you in a minute. <laughs> sure. Well, let's take a real quick break here because we definitely want to hear about that. So everyone stay tuned for more Shape by Faith. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. My guest is author Diana Derringer. She is the author of Beyond Bethlehem and Calvary, but she has a gazillion pieces of work and devotions, and I can't wait to hear about your radio dramas. And you can visit her at Diana Derringer. It's D-E-R-R-I-N-G-E-R dot com. Diana, why don't you go ahead and pick up where you left off? Okay. Um, in 2003, a, a friend asked if a university student from Taiwan could stay with us during Christmas break, and that was one of the greatest experiences of our lives. We invited several of Helen's friends for meals during the six weeks she was with us, and when she returned home, we kept adding new students to our growing family. Wow. Uh, our record number of dinner guests was 39. Oh, my goodness. And our house is not that big. We had people <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> wow. But we we learned, however, that smaller numbers make that personal interaction easier. And most of the students were wanting to learn English, and so that allowed for better conversations when we had small numbers. A really interesting note about this, uh, talking earlier about how God works, as long as I remember, I hated to cook. (laughs) (laughs) My mother uh, burned by hot coffee as an infant and wearing lifelong scars, never allowed children near the kitchen stove. So by the time my sister and I reached an age, mom felt comfortable with our assistance my interest was non-existent. My sister's was limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mom continued to cook 
and the two of us cleaned. And as a result, my poor husband lost weight when we first married. (laughs) Eventually, (laughs) we mastered sufficient recipes for survival, and most of them proved edible. That's so funny. When we were asked about being a friendship family, my greatest concern you guessed it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of cooking. Yes. <laughs> um, other potential worries, you know, uh, having a perfect stranger in the house, struggling with language barriers or losing our privacy, all that paled in compar- comparison to the idea of cooking. <laughs> mm. But God definitely has a sense of humor and knows us so much better than we know ourselves. So some of our best times revolved around grocery shopping, planning menus, and teaching students to cook. Wow. We now have children and grandchildren all over the world and maintain contact with many of those. And a few come back for visits. Um, the first girl, Helen, who stayed with us, actually married a chef. Did she really? I don't think I had any influence. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> that is right. so interesting. But I've been able to, to find, yeah, uh, I've, I've been able to write several articles about some of those experiences. That we have some things in common. Diana, um, I never learned how to cook. Um, cooking. I, I mean, I was fearful of cooking. I really was because I didn't know how to put things together, how to blend things, none of that. So we also had a similar experience and that was my biggest concern. What am I going to feed them? What am I going to do? <laughs> and so we have mm-hmm. a, a local bed and breakfast. We live way out in the off beaten path and they had just opened in our small community. And I went to her and I said, I need help. <laughs> I need you to cook the next two weeks and she said and but you know I'm thinking maybe I should have just asked them what they wanted but after mm-hmm. a few days I, I kind of understood that you know I didn't have to do that it would have been okay but um, right. that is a cute story well I you know I, I could cook um, but um and I, I learned I would watch what they really ate a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I found a few recipes that they really loved. And so I would stick pretty, you know, I would introduce a new one uh, pretty often. But I stuck pretty closely to those. And most of them, I'm so thankful, were not that difficult. <laughs> oh, that's good. The easier, the better. Um, yes. You've compared your recent life to riding a roller coaster in the middle of a storm. So what kind of storms or ups and downs have you experienced? In 1999, I retired from social work. And I planned to devote more time to international missions, which was my passion. Um, however, in 2004, my husband was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor. His prognosis was three to five years. Uh, along with initial radiation, he took chemotherapy pills five nights each month for three and a half years. Wow. Because of his extreme fatigue and memory difficulties and other health issues, his position as a store manager and my ability to go on international mission trips came to an end. However, he did go into and has remained in remission 
after the first three years. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we became a friendship family to international students just before his diagnosis. And that gave us the opportunity for in-home international missions. Mm. Then in 2009, almost simultaneously, my husband had a heart attack, stroke, and fall with a severe brain injury. Oh, my goodness. Right. And medical staff thought that he would die when they removed him from the respirator the next day. However, (laughs) (laughs) but God, he breathed on his own. He tracked motion and sound. And he squeezed our hands in response to prompts. Two days later, he was sitting up talking with us and joking. And my speech therapist, sister-in-law, said, Diana, you have no idea how significant it is that he's joking. But uh, in 2020, he began a really rapid decline, and we could find no answers. And that climax the day I noticed significant stroke symptoms. Mm. So following multiple tests while he was in ICU, we discovered that he was having seizures that did not manifest like his typical seizures that he had had um, since the brain tumor. Uh, Those were very controlled and very mild, but what he was doing with these, I didn't recognize for what they were. But those combined with a recent urinary tract infection caused his old stroke symptoms to resurface with a vengeance. He did not have a new stroke, but he was in, suffering increased symptoms from the 2009 stroke. Mm. And once he began a higher dose of anti-seizure medication, he improved. So with each major incident, um, we've had miraculous things to happen. Um, But also with each one, my husband's needs have grown greater. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, you wow, you and your husband have been through a lot of storms in your life. But yes. God, like you said, but God, um with just mm-hmm. about a minute left in this segment, what tips would you offer other caregivers? Um I would tell them to expect life to change. Prepare for the worst, but enjoy the best. Mhm. Uh, the old thing of eat right, exercise and get sufficient sleep really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Hold tightly to your faith. Focus on each day's blessings rather than dreading what the future holds. And if listeners want more tips or more detail, every Thursday morning, I post a 30-second caregiver tip reel on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, wonderful. Okay, mm-hmm. so we can find you I there. I just started that. <laughs> well, I think that's an amazing thing. People need that. Um, they absolutely do. So thank you for doing that. Well, let's take another break, and we will be right back with more Shape by Faith. Everyone stay tuned. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for Greatest of All Time, as in Spaghetti Sandwiches for Dinner, They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Shape by Faith. Diana, I have so enjoyed um, just listening to your story and wow, what, what God has done as you and your husband have both worked through those life storms with God's peace. I think that is so important that the peace of Christ guard our hearts and our minds. And by the way, when, when you first started talking, I mean, I could feel the peace. I mean, I, I know that sounds, uh, strange, but I can, I can hear the peace in your voice mm-hmm. that God has given you. And what a blessing. Um, I would love for you to tell us about your book, Beyond Bethlehem and Calvary, 12 Dramas for Christmas, Easter, and more. And I understand there's an interesting story behind this collection. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Um, the dramas in, in the book are very simple, short, and use few props. Um, they work well for churches of every size, plus backyard Bible clubs and mission trips. Uh, as for the story behind the collection, CSS Publishing requested some dramas for a large multi-author book, and so I sent a few for those. Well, the big book idea fell through, and they asked if I wanted them to return my dramas or hold them for future generation. And knowing I'd have to reformat if I sent them elsewhere, I told them just to hang on to them, thinking that they would include those in uh, other collections. About a year later, they sent me a book contract. Oh, my <laughs> so goodness. I still, laugh and say, <laughs> I still laugh and say I became an accidental author. <laughs> oh, yes. But you and I both know there was no accident with that one. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Um, what writing projects are you working on right now? Um, of course, I'm still, you know, still working on my blog every week and, and, uh, both assignments and, um, uh, freelance work. One of the more recent exciting things that, uh, has come about is that uh, Tracy Crump and possibly Craig Von Musick and I have begun work on uh, a devotional book for caregivers. Wonderful. So stay tuned. We'll have more information about that later. And people need that. I mean, that is needed information for sure. Um, okay, so tell us about your blog because it sounds a little different from most. So where did you get your idea? Um an international student who walked with me almost every day uh, for a long time requested a new slang expression and its meaning every day. And so I began my blog for Jenny and other English as a second language friends. Um, the interesting thing is the majority of my subscribers speak English as their first language but they simply enjoy the word play. Uh, each blog post uh, includes three parts, the expression, which is the title, uh, an explanation with a life lesson, and then a closing devotional thought and Bible verse. An added bonus, anyone who subscribes to my blog receives a free copy of Words of Hope for Days That Hurt, And that collection grew out of our experiences in the last few years. Okay. So can you give us an example of one of your blogs? Um, 
Actually, I did when I introduced myself in the, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the expressions that I explained was in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in the middle of nowhere and then explained, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I explained in the post then that that means, you know, you're, you're far away from everything and everybody because we were 10 uh, miles from the nearest town and that was going through the hills. Mm. Uh, I was 17 miles from my high school. And so, um, but ending up that, you know, a lot of people um, pay big money to vacation in a place remote like where I grew up. And all I had to do is go home for a visit. Mm. Isn't that lovely? And then I don't remember the verse that I, I used with that one, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure it had something to do with God's creation or, or something along that line. I love that. Well, I've got to ask you, do you have any inspirational story that you would like to share? Um, I do. Okay. Why worry when we can pray? And those were the last words that Marion Woosley said to every visitor. Although she suffered numerous health issues and lost her husband 20 years before and spent her final years in a nursing home, she never lost her sparkle. She always smiled as she reminded us of worry's dead end and prayer's promises. Her example carries me through many difficult days. Mm. That is so good. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of shape your worries into prayers and give them mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. Just just yes. shape them into prayers instead of worrying. And I think so many times we go down that road of worry and we get kind of caught up, you know, in that mm-hmm. moment. We've got to kind of untangle ourselves, ask God to help us and so we don't worry. So we're not anxious because so many things are going on in the world that we could worry about or we could be anxious about. So, you know, the key, like you said, is pray. I mean, that's the answer. And it sounds so simple and it actually is just like that. You just pray and you ask God about anything and everything. Diana, you have been an amazing guest. I'd love to have you on again because we didn't get through a lot of the questions I wanted to ask you, but I, I loved what you had to share. So where can people find you? Uh, uh But you can also find me on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Goodreads, Pinterest, and I have an Amazon um, author page as well. Okay. So I would love to connect with, with some of your listeners. It Absolutely. Would be great. Absolutely. And thank you so much. And thank you for listening. I'm Teresa Rowe. Everyone have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit ShapeByFaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more. From the cabinet doors and more studio, this 